The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Dinesh D'Souza has a new movie out. Death of a Nation. Can we save America a second time? It's in theaters Friday, August 3rd. You can find out about it at uh, deathofanationmovie.com. Dinesh, welcome to the program. Glenn, great to be on the show as always. Thank you. So first of all, let's let's get your your thoughts on what happened in North Korea uh, last night or Singapore. Glenn, I think I I, I think it's it's an historic um, opening. Uh, the, it opens the possibility of a, of a thaw. Now these opportunities uh, are very rare. The last time it happened was Gorbachev, uh, the Soviet Union, the evil empire. And then suddenly they appointed a leader who seemed open to being influenced and to changing. Uh, And we saw the remarkable succession of events really began with the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty in 1987. But then later, the whole dissolution of the Soviet regime and so on. And ultimately, Gorbachev himself coming to Reagan's funeral and kissing Mm -hmm. his casket. Mm -hmm. So now... These historical opportunities are sometimes the result of luck, but it takes a leader to seize the moment, to be able to take advantage of the luck, uh, to be able to make the most of it. And I think with Trump, we're seeing, you know, a contrast from Obama's kind of lead from behind. Trump is like in front of it. He's grabbing the bull by the horns. He's very impressive. So so you're because you're a really logical guy. Help solve two things for the media, mainly, and some people who are having a problem with this. First, what's the difference between what he just did and what Obama did with Cuba? Well, the difference is this. Um, Well, first of all, there is an old joke that goes, uh, what do you call um, a dictator who has nuclear weapons? And the punchline is, sir. Uh, The point being that once a dictator gets his hands on nukes, he becomes um, exponentially more dangerous than a routine garden variety dictator. So, in other words, peace in the Korean um, peninsula is not ultimately ideological. It's ultimately about uh, getting rid of these nukes and just having, you know, a, a sort of modus vivendi where we can kind of all inhabit this planet together. That's the key difference. Uh, in the case of Cuba, Obama seems to have had an ideological affinity for Cuba. Uh, he didn't like Cuba being sort of ostracized mm-hmm. in the community of nations. None of that is an issue here. No one thinks that Trump secretly admires North <laughs> Korean society. We're simply trying to, to keep a very bad guy from having right. nuclear uh, guns in his holster. Okay, so he, I agree with you 100%. Here is where um, uh, some will have issue. Uh, South Korea was a nuclear power, uh, or nor- uh, sorry, North Korea had, it was a nuclear power in 2006. Obama, when he was running the first time, he said, I'll meet with him. Why not meet with him? We've got to make sure that, you know, this doesn't happen. And all of us, you know, just pilloried him for that. What's the difference there? Well, the difference there is, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, it's something of a paradox of American leadership that it takes a Nixon to go to China. It takes a Reagan uh, to deal with Gorbachev. Uh, if the Democrats had been dealing with Gorbachev, it would have been interpreted as weakness. And in fact, it probably because it would be weakness. But with Reagan, you remember that in the first term, Reagan was very tough on the Soviets. Yeah. Massive military buildup, mm-hmm. uh, MX missiles, strategic defense. 
you know, the supporting of insurgencies around the world. It was only in the second term that Reagan sort of pivoted and said, "Okay, now that you guys are willing to bend, uh, I'll bend with you to make this happen. I think that's what we're seeing here. Notice that in miniature, it replicates what happened here. Trump begins by blasting North Korea, threatening to take them off the map, claiming he has bigger nuclear weapons than they do. And then later he bends when he sees that there is an opening and an opening that he can take advantage of. So Dinesh switched subjects a couple of weeks ago. By the way, we're talking to Dinesh D'Souza. He's got a new movie coming out, Death of a Nation. Can we save America a second time? It opens in theaters Friday, August 3rd, deathofanationmovie.com. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you were pardoned by the president of the United States. A, did you know that was coming? And how did that come about? Well, my wife and I had dinner with Senator Ted Cruz a month earlier, and Senator Cruz said, uh, I am going to ask President Trump directly to pardon you. Um, and, uh, but I was not very optimistic because I thought, well, you ran against the guy and there was a lot of there was some bad blood. So I don't know if this is going to work. But Cruz called me a couple of weeks later and said, I spoke to the president and he's very receptive. But there's a legal review. It's a complicated process. Do not breathe a word of this until you get the official call from the White House. And then last week, Glenn, wow, I'm in my office working and the call came. The White House operator pulled the line for the president of the United States. What is that like to be pardoned? It's huge. I mean, you know, there are all kinds of small benefits of it. I don't have to ask a judge for permission to travel. I don't have a probation officer who, like, makes me fill out forms every week and comes to visit my house. Uh, I can vote again. I can own a firearm if I want to. But I think most importantly, it lifts the felon um, label from my neck, which the left had been sort of, you know, accusing me of. And more importantly, it's kind of a big up yours to Obama. I mean, uh, Trump has been erasing Obama's legacy across the board, and now even this little smudge has been taken away. So what do you think about, uh, because I am, I am so for the use of i mean he has a constitutional right to do this any day all day every day um and i'm for it if we're not becoming a country that can if you know somebody you can get a special favor he he is he is starting to you know apparently he's got thousands of people he wants to to pardon and i understand that jared is the one that's actually kind of behind this and they're working on prison reform and sentence reform. Uh, do you think the president should also make sure that anybody that was in your situation, that this just doesn't happen again? Well, I think in my case, um, the truth of it is that there is nobody who's in my situation for the reason that I was, in fact, singled out. Look, uh, there is no case in American history of a guy who gave 20 grand over the campaign finance limit without corruption. In other words, without trying to buy a favor or get a tax break or some quid pro quo. There's no other example of somebody who got locked up for doing that. They don't even prosecute those cases. Uh, look at Rosie. She just admitted, Rosie O'Donnell did, to exceeding the campaign finance law five times in five different jurisdictions. So and she, theoretically, there are... And she really knew. She knew it. Did that bother you at all? Well, the reason she knew it is, we, is because she used four different spellings of her name right. and five different ad addresses. So clearly she was, 
You know, but look, I think the reason that this crime is not prosecuted typically, or, or in other words, is treated as a slap on the wrist and a fine, is that, again, even with Rosie, she's not trying to get anything out of it. She's just, you know, motivated by hatred of Trump and leftist enthusiasm, and she wants to defeat Roy Moore in Alabama. So she goes over the limit. But again, typically, these crimes are basically, they look the other way. Um, but in my case, you know, it took some very powerful people, Obama, Holder, Preet Bharara, to get me. And naturally, it required some powerful people to get me off. Dinesh, a lot of people have uh, were critical of Trump, if they were, uh, on your part in it, saying that because you're a political ally, that's why he pardoned you. But in reality, yeah. these, these laws are, to, in my eye, uh, blatantly unconstitutional. I mean, it completely against the First Amendment. It really, what the First Amendment was designed to do was be able to speak your mind politically and to use your money however you want to use your money. And so I think if he looks at this as not just Dinesh D'Souza as an ally, but this is an unconstitutional law and my pardon power is well used to overturn convictions in an unconstitutional law. Is that how you think he looked at it? Well, I think he looked at it not even like that, but I think he looked at it like, look, we have seen a kind of gangsterization of the government under Obama, the deployment of the weapons of the state against opponents. Uh, as Trump himself said to me, he goes, he goes, man to man, he goes, you got screwed. He goes, you should have got, it was a technical violation. He goes, but those people, meaning the Obama people, went after you with everything they got. And then he basically said, I got the power to fix it. And I'm going to. So I'm going to give you a full pardon in the morning and it's going to clear your record and just go out and be a great champion of freedom and of America. And that's how he left it. So, Dinesh, you said that there was a great process you had to go through or he had to go through. The government has to. So he can't just wake up one morning and go, I want to pardon him. Well, actually, he can. But the process, I think, is merely that the White House counsel will go look at the case you know, they obviously want to make sure that I don't have bodies in my refrigerator. That's something that they've missed. They don't want it to become an embarrassment because of something they didn't know. So it took about a 30 day review to make sure that I was sort of kosher. Uh, and then Trump went ahead with his original instinct and signed the pardon. Let me just pretend that I was on CNN and respond. So you're alleging that you don't have heads in your refrigerator i just uh, <laughs> yeah in fact newsweek had yeah, a, they right. literally had an article titled dinesh d'souza claims he's not jeffrey dahmer oh my god you know as claims. A, as a, that's my defense right um uh, so tell us about the movie that comes out august 3rd uh the movie explores two big themes um one is fascism and the other is white supremacy now as you know, these are the two incendiary accusations that are made, not just against Trump, but against the right, against conservatives. The whole notion that fascism is on the right. I mean, I learned that in college at Dartmouth. That was in all my textbooks. Mm. That, that's on the History Channel. So it's part of our conventional wisdom. And so what we do in this movie is we start with current events, but we also do our deep dive into history where we explore the true meaning of fascism and white supremacy and ask you know, do these labels really belong on the Republican elephant or should they be pinned on the tail uh, of, of, of the Democratic donkey? Uh, you are um, you are doing a lot to uh, teach history and correct uh, this kind of nonsense uh, that has been so prevalent and so successful in the last 100 years. How long is it going to take to re-educate people to what really happened do you think 
Well, I think the beauty of living today um, is that things can be checked out. And so when people say things, I, I, I'll speak on campus and someone will say, well, you know, Richard Nixon was a blatant racist. Uh, he had a Southern strategy of appealing to, to, to Southern bigots in the deep South uh, and, and converting them over to the Republican Party. Everybody knows this. So then I'll say to him, I'll say, well, can you give me an example of a racist statement ever made in public by Richard Nixon? And uh, in doing this, I'm issuing a kind of public challenge because these days we can go to social media, we can search. The truth of it is there is none. And so then the progressive has to back off and comes up with a counterpoint. Well, Nixon didn't make any racist statements, but, you know, he issued these coded messages, these racist dog whistles. Uh, apparently, you know, racists are sort of like dogs and they've got this sort of heightened awareness, their ability to, to hear messages that are, that are indecipherable to the rest of us. You know, all this, this comes down the pike. And then I'll say, well, you know, let's, let's remember that one of the first things that Nixon did when he was elected was he started affirmative action. He is the inventor of affirmative action in America. Mm. Now, does this sound to you like something that a racist would do to send coded messages to his own constituency to have a legal policy of preferring blacks over whites? Does this make any sense? So this is my game. You know, I like to, to, to use facts and use history in a way that's easily verifiable. So someone who's yeah. genuinely puzzled yeah. can, can figure out who's right. Dinesh D'Souza, the uh, name of the movie is Death of a Nation. Can we save America a second time in theaters Friday, August 3rd? Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.